1: 18+. Curling towards the six-yard area. Flick golds and into the top corner by the substitute Carlton-Morris. Bournemouth pay the price for giving away multiple free kicks on the edge of their own 18-yard
3: area
2: and they are behind again. Bournemouth two, Barnsley three.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 117 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Hope you're having a good Monday. Well, let's be fair, you're probably not. Because at the weekend, Cherries went down 3-2. The second time this season that's happened, the first time to Preston, this time to Barnsley. And the Cherries' style in the first half against the Tykes, well... It was questionably regarded as being champagne football after a spell where we managed to put together a few passes which culminated in a shot. Champagne... Not so sure. I mean, I suppose when you've been dealt Martini Asti for so long, a sip of Krug or Bollinger, it's always going to addle the senses. But for a certain beloved co-commentator on Saturday, the brief moments of joy that AFCB displayed in the first 45 minutes against Ishmael's men, it seemed to inflate a biased opinion which left Barnsley fans watching on iFollow both bothered and baffled. In this show, we're joined by the usual suspects it's myself sam davis and i'm with jeff hayward mr tiggs and tom jordan as we dissect what went on against barnsley on saturday plus if you're a subscriber to our youtube channel you may have seen that last night we had a video called the playoff push and that's referencing Mark Pugh, as we welcomed back a Cherry's legend to get an expert insight on what it's like to be involved in the playoffs. Of course, Mark Pugh himself, he twice managed to avoid the playoffs with automatic promotion, but he was also someone who had experienced the heartbreak of losing in them too. The whole thing is on our YouTube channel if you want to watch it. Now, the audio, I promise it will come. Now, this week we were supposed to put the rest of the lockdown interviews on, but it's been a busy week. We will do that because we've got a lot to catch up on, including Ted McDougall and Simon Francis, among many more. That is coming your way, as is this. But if you want to hear a 10-minute taster, that is also coming later on in the show. So it was the Tykes at the weekend then, and to be fair, they put in a good performance. 3-2 winners over the Cherries at Dean Court. So let's hear from myself, from Tiggs, from Hayward, and from Jordan. Tom, are you all right? Good, Sam. Jeff's here too? Sam. And also we've got Tiggs here.
3: Hey, Sam. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So people who are listening to this are probably thinking what they're giggling about if you're listening on the audio pod, which it can be downloaded on, by the way. We've all got our back of the net mugs and within the next couple of weeks, we will provide details of how you can get your hands on them. So, Tom, I'll start with you. A first half where we showed a bit of promise and a second half when we went back to the same old. 3-2 to Barnsley and let's be fair, they totally deserved it.
0: Yeah, I thought that was probably a fair result. I mean, after the champagne stuff of the first half. Um, but no, listen, we haven't we haven't uh, performed for 90 minutes for God knows how long. Um, it was the reverse this time. We decided to turn up in the first half. And yeah, to be fair, I thought we had some, some decent movements, some decent decent play. And their high line, we kind of, um, we seemed to exploit that a few times, but without really taking all our chances. But to be honest, at half-time, I thought more of the same. They'll they'll still be open. We should be able to catch them a few times as long as we keep the door closed. We should be able to get the job done. But again, they surprised me in a bad way, and they just can't. I don't know what it is. Soon as and soon as we conceded and um, went level in the second half, it's only one team that was going to win that game. They just seemed to lose all belief and all confidence. And we'll probably we'll come on to the way Barnsley played. But um, I said on the free throw, it was so. You know, you're looking at a team, um, obviously good good manager that um has been getting a lot of plaudits for what he's doing at Barnsley. They've got an identity. I mean, people are talking about their goalkeeper coming out and being a bit of a clown, but at least he, he was a sweeper keeper, he knew his role. Sometimes it was a bit heart and mouth stuff, I'm sure, for the Barnsley fans, but they knew they play with a high line, the keeper's gonna come off like that. But they had an identity and they all bought into it. We just seemed to just be thrown out there, just go through the motions as usual. Um, there's no real identity or or style of play, and it was um Another frustrating one, and uh, yeah, didn't. A bit, I'm not that surprised anymore, which is
4: probably the, the sad thing. Yeah.
1: A certain co-commentator, Jeff, bought into how we played in the first half, especially, didn't he?
4: Yeah, Willow is not renowned for his objectivity, is he? Let's be fair about it, and, and I think we're probably more objective. You know, we we we're not seduced by the flashes of good play. I was actually counting the minutes in the first half, and it was uh, 25 minutes before we had our first shot. In that that made the keeper do some work, and I think actually that might have been the goal, you know. So it's it's like the same old, same old groundhog day for Bournemouth fans, groundhog day for this team, groundhog day for the managers. It, you can't can't get a ninety minute shift out of this lot, and we're coming to the conclusion they just don't have it in them to be able to do it. Actually, we did it against Watford. That was that was probably the most complete ninety minutes of the season, and. Um, patterns being what they are we'll probably repeat that and go for a, go for Swansea in the same way and win that one nil.
1: As I said on the free-for-all, Barnsley were as everyone expected, their form dictates how good they are at the moment and they just worked hard, they pressed high they were reckless, there were some echoes of the championship winning squad there, Tiggs and mm-hmm. in many ways though that actually made our game plan a lot more simple because they were leaving gaps and that's the type of team we like to play against, but we couldn't punish them, so we totally deserved the loss.
3: Yeah, yeah, we did. Ultimately, it wasn't champagne football. I'm gonna keep coming back to it, but there were moments in that first half you could see, kind of looking at the positives that Woodgate realised that if we stretched them, if we if we essentially had an extra man up there than we normally would, um, we would create more space, and it did. There were moments in that first half and you did think yourself, cool, that, that that was good, that works, that's we've got a plan here, and this this could this could really come to fruition. At one point, I thought, rather naively, just for half time, that we had it in the bag as well. So there were some good bits with the bad bits. And Woodgate did have a week with the players previous to the game as well. So maybe, maybe we did see some some better stuff in there. I'm hoping we can pick it out this morning.
1: Yeah, maybe we can, maybe we can. And let's go on to the team that we saw then, Jeff, at two o'clock. Seemed to be a change of formation ever so slightly. I think there was only one or two changes personnel-wise, but with it came a change of formation by the looks of it. It's very hard to tell when they release those teams, but what mm. did you make at the side? Shane Long coming in?
4: Yes. I cannot see the value of Shane Long in our team. Certainly not from the start. I don't recall anything useful that he did yesterday. Don't want to be harsh on the bloke. I mean he's he's an experienced player, but he's 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 his touch isn't there. He's is you know, he's he's there to stretch the 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 team, the opposition, by running in behind. And I don't really see a lot a huge amount of energy for him doing that either. I think Surridge would be better at doing that, frankly. So I don't get it. And um, the, t- the change of shape yesterday, it, it was almost playing a four-two-four, which kind of worked in that first half because um, Barnsley didn't play with a great deal of intensity. But in the second half, when they pressed higher on us and they, they brought off three subs who were up for the game and, and brought a level of intensity that we hadn't seen in that first half, we were just overwhelmed in midfield. We couldn't get out of our half. And That's that's again, it was it was redundant playing Shane Long yesterday.
1: Mm. It's nice to see the players all coming together wearing T-shirts to support Lewis Cook. Tom, Uh, brief word for Lou, as they called him on the T-shirt. I mean, obviously, he'll have been watching that on. And, you know, for the first the first half, parts of it, we actually played like a team that was together both on and off the pitch, didn't we?
0: Yeah, we did. There was um, some good patches and stuff like that. And yeah, really, real shame for Lewis because he's he's been here before, Andy. He, um, you know, and we had similar things with kind of Callum Wilson in the past and things like that, where it happens again and, uh, you know, he'll, he'll come back stronger. He's uh, he's done it before, Andy, and, he, and um, seems like a, a lad that everyone likes. And he's he's had a, I mean, for a poor season, I think he's he's been one of our more consistent ones. He's he's pretty reliable um, without being sensational. So, yeah, we're, we're going to miss him and <clears throat> I'm sure he'll come back. Come out strong, but yeah, it was it was a good start to the game. But I think they they played into our hands a little bit, and you know we we're always going to get a few chances um, and catch them with the style they play. We just we just had to be a little bit bit cleverer, in my opinion. And the change of system was <laughs> there was part of me that kind of understood it. We when we played them back in December, uh, we went with a two up and uh, being four 0 obviously under different management. So I could see why he wanted to get someone closer to Dom. So I'll give him that, but. I remember when when Woodgate first took over the team and we went with a with a certain system, won a few games, then he changed it to yeah. a five, if you remember, and then we didn't win for a few. So we went back and then we've been good again and then he changed it again. It Se- seemed a little bit odd. And my worry was that this is the first time he's kind of had a week with the players wow. and we've just lost It's like, But it's a difficult one because I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he tried to get someone closer to Don because of the way they play. What I will say is I saw... um. On, on social media and stuff that after how he did against them in December, Barnsley fans were were pleased to not see Sam Surridge because if you remember he was man of the match against them at their place. Mm. Um, and yeah I agree with Jeff. I don't want to give him too much stick. He's he's here on loan but I haven't I mean he's bundled a few goals in to be fair but I don't really see what Shane Long offers us. And if you're gonna play someone with, with Dom Solanke I'd rather give it to a lad that that always looks hungry and wants to be here in Sam Surridge. Mm.
1: So change of formation, change of weather, tigs. I think we had about five or six different microclimates during that first half. That that goal kick, that drop mm-hmm. kick after three minutes. I mean, you know, the cameraman was caught out. So were we. What was that all about?
3: <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, I, I blink, blinking, you missed that. I didn't really know what was going on. I think as well, uh, that kind of gives you a clue about how, how you're going to find parts of the game easier, maybe one half than the other, when you've got that kind of that kind of wind blowing. It was interesting you talk about the formation change after the game Jonathan Woodgate when questioned answered quite defensively uh no it was the same formation I was playing Dom in the 10 role which um he he did for parts of the game I suppose he did drop back there so um he he really because I think because now he said that it's I think it's going to cause him a problem because I think now that you said that he's going to keep that formation uh he's going to try and try and always show us that formation and I don't, I don't think that's really what he should be doing, I think he's kind of made it more difficult for himself uh, in terms of working on the players for a week. I think we could start to see if we started to see a few partnerships starting to form around the pitch. It's March, so it's a bit late to be seeing it, but we are starting to see a few, and I think that's that's where we showed the most success in the game.
1: De- Jeff, by the way, you look depressed, mate.
3: Doesn't he?
4: You know I'm sorry, but it's it's like how many times have we done this podcast this year then you know how many times and uh, it just i'm I'm struggling with new things to come up to say you know that that what what can you say the 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 players aren't the right players. It's not a team. patches of it is quite good mm. um and and we're still we're still poor from set plays. We still concede from crosses. Um, all three goals were avoidable yesterday. We still give away silly free kicks. You know, it yeah. could go on. Dan Juma passed actually. That was the most amazing thing in that first half. I thought. Yeah. He, pa- he passed first time and we scored. Never to re- never to be repeated because he had the chance the second half to do that and didn't. But you know that that sort of shows that some progress. I'm, I mean, I'm clutching at straws.
1: Yeah, I think in the final third, our our touch just completely just goes all wrong. Uh there was a great there was a great moment that sort of reminded me of a number of years ago where Steve Cook, I don't know if it, it was an unintentional ball or or what, but it was a lovely through ball in the end. That was a that found an arched run from Dominic Solanke, almost Callum Wilson-esque, and mm. his final touch was poor and the goalkeeper managed to gather it. But it was good to see Dom. Making that run and Bournemouth we were we were playing out from the back, but Barnsley was doing what they do. They pressed really high, uh, we dominated the ball. the visitors they were looking to counter the tykes had had a lot of energy, and set pieces was always a danger. We knew that on twelve minutes they had an inventive corner, which was a ball to the edge of the box, almost like Bournemouth used to do. Connor Chaplin tried to left foot it towards goal, but that was blocked and then. Tom, on 15 minutes, another set piece, but this time a goal. And, you know, our am in all over the shop.
0: Yeah, it's been like that all season. And like, you know, like Jeff said, it feels like we're a bit of a broken record. It's all the same things. We're um, falling short in the final third. And then, like you say, set pieces, we can't seem to defend them, which I always find bizarre because we've got so many people that in the general play, Steve Cook, Carter Vickers, Jefferson Lambert, they win headers all day. And um, but from a set piece, we don't seem to have that much organisation or know what we're doing really. And it always feels like the um, the attacker seems to just just want it more, have a bit of a run on them, and yeah, and it was it was poor and it didn't, didn't surprise me. But yeah, it was um, it was a shame. But at the moment, it does feel like teams can just soak it up a little bit and then put a few balls in the box, and it's not a good combination to have. You know, we're, we're too easy to score against and we're too easy to defend against. I feel and it's a really bad combination. But yeah, to be fair. I remember thinking we were probably edging the game. So it was a a real blow to go one behind. And luckily in the first half, we seemed to pick ourselves up from that quite quickly.
1: Yeah, we were edging the game though. We weren't completely, I mean, with what Willow was saying, you would think that we were blowing them away. And in many ways, I feel sorry for Willow because if it was the usual commentary dynamic of him and Chris, who've worked together for, Goodness knows how many years I'm sure Chris would have got right on top of it and probably put Willow in his place to avoid a lot of the criticism that he's got from Barnsley fans and also Cherry's fans alike. But Jordan's not commentated with Willow that many times. But, I mean, it it was a little bit embarrassing, Tiggs, to listen to. And we've seen a lot of the comments from our own fans, let alone what the Tykes say. And uh, (laughs) he's known for being optimistic, but that was too much, right?
3: It probably was. And to be fair, this is the first season where Barnsley fans would be tuning into our commentary. I think that's what makes it a bit irksome, isn't it? The Ooh. fact that you know that there are other fans. listening to it. We we know him and we can kind of giggle and laugh along and go, OK, look, he's, he's he's taken a molehill and turned it into a mountain, the way that he sees the game pan out. Uh, and it's it's funny to us. But when you know that there are other fans listening to it... Mm. And you know that they're going to be forming an opinion on our sure. us as a fan base, not just him as a commentator, because that's what they do, isn't it? They come on and they, you know, they, they think, oh, God, you said, you know, you think this about us. But no, we don't. We don't, we don't think you, this about you at all. You're great. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit, i uh, a bit uncomfortable. Jordan Clark for is um, all his endeavours, he did try to correct Willow a few times, um, but then uh, they, they just went into a fit of giggles at one point and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> when uh, when Steve Hard on Steve Hard was, I don't know he did
4: it. Steve Hard on, I think, is the name you're grasping for. Isn't yeah, they yeah were, Steve, I'm grasping for a hard. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they were bringing Steve Hard on and bringing I Steve Hard on, and you know, like if it wasn't due to. The kind of licensing rights and stuff, I would have popped that on Twitter and it would have been shared to all and sundry. Maybe it has already. I don't know, but yeah, that was, that was one of the brighter moments, but we did have a bright moment aside from that, Jeff. And that was on 21 minutes where Begovic gathered the ball from across. Talk us through it.
4: Yeah. Um, decent, decent throw. I mean, the wind I think helped, but released junior halfway in, in, in the uh, Bounsley half controls it. Well, uh, nutmegs actually i'm not sure if it was a nutmeg but he cut inside the the covering defender sets up arnie who had time to take a touch and pass it into the net i mean it was route one football but but attacking at pace and that was what was so refreshing and they again they'd obviously worked on that sort of move um it worked like a dream it was fantastic and Honestly, I was I was struggling to see how we were going to create a chance up until that point. But it worked and you know, we were we were deservedly one apiece, I thought, on the balance of play. There you go, I'll be positive.
1: Yeah. So crack open the Krug, Tom, champagne football, brilliant stuff. We were playing in behind them and then we were playing in front of them. And one of the brighter moments of our season, yes, admittedly, it, it didn't result in anything. We, we, we hit the bar, but it, it was a nice bit of football that led
0: up to that stand-slash shot, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a um, really nice bit of play. I think it was um, Jeff Lerman looked like he was going to shoot and then digged a lovely little lovely little ball for Junior. He caught it really well, to be fair to him. Um, he was really unlucky to hit the bar. But yeah, there was, I mean, we're joking about the champagne football, but I think once we got the uh, equaliser stuff, there was some good movements and things like that. I think you just, you know, because of their high, high line... We were just finding ways to get in, in behind them. And, they're you know, for the, for the equaliser, like we say, the Begovic throughout was that's how you've got to do it quickly because they commit so many men forward, they press so high, that you've just got to count on them as quick as possible because there's going to be gaps. And um, we found that when we played them before. We weren't, it's, it's a weird one, but we all said that we thought Barnsley were quite good when we played them back in December and we beat them 4-0 because that's the way they're going to play. Um they're going to get caught now and again. And we, we started to find find some room and find some combinations and it. That equaliser really looked like, right, OK, now we look in the ascendancy. We look like the team in control here. And there's definitely a few more goals in it for us. And um, we've got one more.
1: Hmm. Yeah, we did. And Tiggs, hmm. it was a first-time delivery from Dan G. Usually he holds on to the ball, doesn't he? Yeah. And he usually the... stops and waits for people to get in front of him. But yeah. he actually played it first time. What was he thinking? I
3: know, he was thinking like he was part of the team, which was crazy. <laughs> I, think, I think as well with Dan Jumo, I think he puts a lot of pressure on himself to get the goal when we need the goal. Um, so I think, he, he, I think sometimes it gives me the impression that he thinks he's the only player on the pitch that could score that goal uh, or any goal. So yeah, it's really odd. He usually stops, <laughs> waits until there's two or three players in a line ahead of him and then sees if he can beat them, beats two and then loses the ball to the third. But this time he did. He saw, well, he didn't even look up very quickly at all. He felt that there were players over there and he put the ball across really, really quickly. Um, and there were, what, two players in the box running?
4: Just just a word on the goal celebrations for both our goals. I mean, it, Arnie doesn't really get involved in goal celebrations, does he? You know, I like, he doesn't smile
1: much. He does a sort it's of... this weird thing he does with his hands. Weird like thing with him. the hands. Okay. Emu, the, isn't it? Is it Emu? Is it? Is
4: that what it is? Well, <laughs> but, but if... I mean, obviously, if that were me, you know, I'd be amazed that I could do that. But if that were me, I'd be, like, going mad
1: to... You'd be booked to, for taking your shirt off, Jeff.
4: Exactly. Junior, you know, go over, give him, a high-five him. You know, he'd be all over him because that was a fantastic pass that he did to set you up with. And then you'd go over and join in with, with Dom and on, on his goal because you made that, you're part of that, and you don't get any sense that he's really part of the team. I, I'm, I, don't, You know, I don't know whether... Whether he's particularly seen as part of the team, maybe he's too much for an individual, too much for a maverick, but mm. it, it, it's just baffling to watch. And then you watch the post match interview; they've put him up on on Cherry's TV for the post match, and and he talks about, yeah, you know, I passed the ball in for and Dominic Solanke finish. It's like you call him Dominic Solanke, don't you say Dom, you know, or <laughs> Dommy or something? You know? just, I, I don't, I don't understand. He he just seems disconnected. And that's how he plays a lot of the time. So it was, it was, it was wonderful to see him put a first-time ball in. So I was so amazed that he did that, and then we scored. It was brilliant.
1: Yeah, it's, I, I don't really like that formality because it does show that maybe there are some kind of rifts. I don't know. But anyway, Thomas Jordan, um, I'll come to you next. And <laughs> you know what? We could, we could have actually made that half a little bit... You know, because we had a great chance with um, Jefferson Lerma, who had a shot which was blocked. And that was Dan Juma. He played... So, you know, I I think um, he won a free kick on the left-hand side. And then Junior Stanislas took the free kick. The delivery was poor. It came back to him. And then he played over a lovely cross towards the far post, which Adam Smith was at the byline. And he managed to cut it back. And then Lerma um, had a strike. So, you know, maybe Willow was was partly right because, but for a block from the goal scorer for Barnsley, I think Halleck, he kept him in the game.
0: Yeah, we were having, like I said, we were having joy. And once we, got the, once we got the equaliser, we were, we seemed to gain a little bit of confidence. Think, oh, these lot can be got out here. Let's take the game to them. And um, yeah, half-time probably didn't come at a good time for us because we were in the ascendancy there. And um, going 2-1 up and, you know, turning the game on its head, if you like, it, half-time allowed Barnsley to kind of regroup a little bit. And um us to, I don't know, hide away or whatever, not play. We were playing off adrenaline for a bit, it seemed like, and we were really in the ascendancy, and it was, it was good to see. But um, yeah, on on, on early as well, I, I feel there's a lot of similarities to what we saw with Brooks earlier in the season in the sense that they seem to it's like they've got the weight of the world on their shoulders and they're the only one that can do anything. I feel like there's a lot of similarities when I've seen Brooks this season. The amount of times I think, God, he hangs on holds on to the ball too long. And it almost feels like when Brooks was playing, obviously Arnie wasn't fit, we're saying, You're our man. And now it seems the same with Arnie. And they they feel like they're playing with all this pressure and you're the one that's going to get us out of jail. And you're, you know, you're our superstar. That's how it feels a little bit. But, you know, whether there's anything in that, like you say, it's don't know about riffs or anything in the changing room. But certainly with goal celebrations all season and things like that, it doesn't seem a whole lot of togetherness, togetherness with the group. And we're seeing that with performances on the whole, aren't we, really?
1: Yeah. Tom, I'll stick with you for this next uh, question. Here's Dan Rose from The Echo. In hindsight, you can look at this tweet and probably hold your head in your hands, can't you? So, for anyone listening, Dan Rose from The Echo tweeted, watching the subs at half time, Jack Wilshere took a pass from Jaden Anthony and zinged one into the top corner from 30 yards. And Anthony just stood there and applauded. Thoughts, Tom?
0: Well, it's nice that the pair of them are getting some um, football at half time. Um, kicking the ball around. That must be good for the pair of them. Um, I'm still baffled now. I don't, like I said, all season, I, I feel that a lot more responsibility needs to go to the players um, rather than always looking at the, the management all the time like we did at the start of the season. But ba- baffled yesterday by, you know, I, as I said, I could um, kind of make allowances for why he tried to get another striker on because of the opposition, et cetera, et cetera. But to not bring Jack Wilshere on at all in that game was absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. We saw in the first half how high their line is. You just need someone to open the door, someone to, you know, play one of them balls through and be a bit inventive in the midfield. I don't. And, you know, crazy that that bloke's just sat on the substitutes bench and didn't get a minute. Yes, it was just mad. Um, If he were to start him, say, Tuesday, I would maybe think, okay, maybe he'd already put in his mind that because of his injuries and stuff like that and his fitness levels... I'm going to play, I'm going to start you on Tuesday and not, you know, maybe. But I can't see it. I don't think Will Gates really fancied him at all since he's come in, which is really bizarre because in his first game um, when he took the, you know, took, took the management role, we beat Birmingham 3-2 and Jack Wilshire won in that football match. And he was best player on the pitch. So uh, I don't understand it at all. Hang <laughs> Clue.
1: So second half, Tiggs, triple change at half time for Barnsley. Wow.
3: Yeah. Yeah, apparently they do that a lot mm. uh, because they play that high press because he wants them pressing all the game. He, he changes it because he knows he's going to have tired legs, which is a fantastic thing. To, if it works for you, it's amazing because he knows he can rely on every one of his players, I think. you know he's And it, it's we go back to it all the time. We're talking about players and we're talking about team and it's, it's not the team with the best players that wins football games. Um, and I think any one of our players, you talk about Premier League quality, well, I don't know if they are, but I would say, and I could probably say it's quite... Confidently, any one of our players would walk into any other championship eleven. Pretty much, you know, the majority of the clubs in the championship would love to have any just just one of our players would change their team. So, it's not necessarily about just the players, but how they perform together. And I think that's what Jeff kind of was saying earlier. You know, we're scratching our heads here, saying, "Well, he should do better than that. Why isn't he?" The, the communication between them, the com- camaraderie between them, is. Um, is still a concern even after that that Watford game.
4: I think the two players that two of those three subs as well were big physical presences up yeah. top, and that made a massive difference in terms of the way they dominated the play in our half, and and they won more free kicks. And when they put the ball in the box, I mean, they looked like they were going to score every time they got free kick. I thought, and uh, or set play. And uh, credit to them, you know, they know their strengths. And they played to them and they played with the energy and the passion that you need to win a football match.
1: Yeah. And look, though, if Lerma's shot had gone in, obviously Dom scored, that would have been 3-1 at half-time. And then with their keeper making these bloopers, I mean, Dom, it reminded me of Divock Origi, that kind of angle. Probably an angle that was a bit more favourable than what Divock had when he scored that goal for Liverpool. In that 4 3 match in the Premier League, and his shot probably lacked power. It would have got there, but it certainly lacked direction. But it could have been a different game, Tom. It could have been 4 1 at that point.
0: Yeah, it could have. And there were points um, early in the second half where I thought, to be fair, if we get the next goal here, I think this could be 4 or 5. Because of the, and there was a lot of similarities I felt to kind of our first season in the Championship under Eddie, where we were really brave, uh, really excited to watch, but we took a few beatings, didn't we? I remember losing five at Udersfield and six at Watford, because you've kind of, it's that, um, you know, because of the, you probably haven't got the technical or, you know, on paper, the best team, but you play a, a real unique style to try and benefit you, but occasionally you're going to get caught. And um, we had it a few times in that first championship season, I remember, where it'd be brilliant one week and then we'd get it for five because, and I, I felt like, oh, this kind of what we did at their place. Um, I thought we're going to catch them too much here. If we just had a little bit more composure, in the final third. And I do think if we got the, you know, it's easy to say, but I think if we got the next goal in that second half, we, we would have won the game quite comfortably. I think that's the whole thing with our group is we seem okay. And then as soon as we get pegged back, that's when they all go, oh, here we go again. And they just go into their shells and hide and think just, I mean, I'd, it's easy to say, because I suppose every team would say it, but if there were fans and fans in the stadium, I just feel like sometimes we would be able to, you know, lift them yeah. a little bit. They just seem as soon as something goes against them, they, they put their heads down. We are saying about that Watford game, weren't we? It was a tight game and we got the goals. We had something to hang on to and then we were fighting until the end. But um, yeah, yesterday it just felt that that next goal was so crucial. And as soon as they got it, we just went into a shout. And then then you might as well take a point because there's no yeah. way we're going to go and win the game then.
1: Yeah, and we didn't, you know, once they did get the goal, it's Frazier who scored it. Um, Our oh, Tig's taught me through it and taught me through the rest of the game. <laughs>
3: Well, again, it's, it's crosses, isn't it? Um, it's, it's a big yeah. problem um, constantly. And I don't understand really what you need to do to, to change that because surely they must be practising that on the training pitch. They must be looking at that after games and thinking, OK, how do we, how do we counter it? Um, and it's not working. So then you think, okay, that's fine. If we're going to let goals in, we need to score more goals. But that dries up, which we talked about last time, didn't we? Uh, and then once we're behind, we just can't lift ourselves.
1: Yeah, go on, Tom. No,
0: I was just going to say, we could literally, I'll be interested to see if we go back on the um, all the second looks we've done, you know, kind of this year or whatever. We could just play out one of the old ones, couldn't we? It's, it's so, I think Jeff yeah. said it early on, it's, it does feel like, I'm, I feel like I've said this before. Do you know what I mean? But it is yeah. just the same stuff. And that's what's so frustrating. And Just just being, yeah. being like that all season. I'm mean, talking about set pieces. We've got Jonathan Woodgate. And I mean, he's, he was brilliant at defending set pieces. And like I've said so many times, it's not like we've got like a real... I remember with O'Driscoll back in them days, we'd have a real small team. And you think we're always going to get caught a little bit in the air. But we haven't got... We've got a big start. Of...
4: I mean, left-hand side. Left-hand side needs to work harder to stop that ball getting anywhere near the six-yard box. And they don't, and and I think Lerma, Kelly, uh, Steve Cook. You know, they, there's no not enough communication going on. There's not enough energy to stop that ball going in the box. And it's almost it. It's almost like we go we go we go a goal ahead, and we just think, oh, we're too good. They won't score against us now. You yeah. know, we think we can eat off, and um, or we got Beggs behind who's who's a miracle goalie, and we just want to win by just doing enough and it ain't good enough and we have it every flipping week or actually two out of every three games because they wake up and think that and then change it and then they lapse back into this. Um, It was just depressing as hell. I think energy is a really
3: good word, actually, Jeff. I think that's the word I've been looking for, energy. And like the subs that we made, I mean, billing, I think billing can be a great player, but energy... He doesn't give you energy, does he? Mm. Really, ever? He doesn't does he? win headers. He doesn't t- ju- t- run back.
4: You cannot take him off for P- you cannot bring him on and ask him to play Pearson's role against yeah. a team like Barnsley. And if was that what they were doing, or were they asking him to play further forward? Because then you're asking Lermo to be overrun. We're already overrun, so you're asking Lermo to be more overrun. It's it's yeah. like it's crazy. It doesn't, I mean, for me, I think Woodgate is terrible at making subs. And I think he's he's also uh, affected by the big reputations of uh lerma billing um long yeah and and affected by that so that players who ought to be give, given more of a chance i mean you know big reputations Wilshire you're right Tommy yeah. should have been on and you 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 need to keep Pearson on because at least he's the one player who's got that energy to track in midfield whereas Big Jeff, love him like I do. You know, he, t- he switches off when we go one goal ahead. So often he does that and he did it yesterday and it cost us.
1: Are we in danger of contradicting ourselves here? Because after the Bristol City match, we were waxing lyrical about Philip Billing and saying how much he came on to change the game. But do you do you think it was, I mean, you know, Tom, you said on the Fruit for All, he was playing as part of a two. And we've said so many times that never, ever works with Philip Billing. He's always better as part of a three. Do you think that was maybe more of a problem? And that dictated how he played more than his own sort of technical performance, maybe?
0: Yeah, I'd say so. I think, um, you know, Jeff just said then, you know, asking him to come on for Pearson was just, it's just pointless. Um, we've seen it all season. If if we went back and watched every game and marked down how Billing played, the only ones where he played well, and he has had some good performances, would all be when he's in a free and he's the advanced midfielder. He even done it when we are in the Premier League. I think he had a couple of games, I think Villa was one where he was really good. That was when he was the advanced midfielder. That's clearly his position. And yet we're still just chucking him on, you know, the like-for-like like swap for Pearson. That was... Really, really odd. Um, you know, anyone could see, you know, what role he's good at. And then he's kind of irrelevant in any other role, it seems. And um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Jeff Lerma as well. But when you're behind in a game, I almost sometimes feel like, well, let's we never seem to um be brave and take off that defensive midfield player in, in, in Lerma and maybe try and get someone who's gonna open something up a little bit. Um but yeah, I mean the subs have, I felt like that um ever since Woodgates come in. We're allowed five subs, by the way. Mm -hmm. You know, at the moment, that's what's even more baffling. He never gets near it. And it's like he's, uh, I mean, you've got so many players on the bench that, yeah, we don't know a lot about, but they're young, they're hungry and they're attacking as well. We had a lot of attacking options, Um, you know, Raquel May and Anthony and things like that. And it's just the same thing. You do the same things. We just do the same things. So we go, right, we're yeah. losing the game. When we were last losing the game, we never come back. But let's make the same subs as we did last time. Why? What, what What? do you expect to change? I don't... And like I've alluded to earlier, you've got two teams out there. I thought it was um, really interesting to see. You've got a, an upcoming manager for Barnsley who's got a team that are buying into a certain unique style of play and identity, like we said about the goalkeeper and the high line, and they make them free changes at half-time, and they all buy into it, and they're a group... And then we've got us who have just, from from the top, we've made ridiculous decisions. We're just getting in managers that don't manage. And then we've got a manager that doesn't seem to know what he's doing and doesn't really make the right changes. Then we've got players on the pitch who just go through the motions and don't seem to be buying into anything and just go through the motions all game. And it was so evident. And there was one team that deserved to win that game and because they'd done everything right. And they were we're so reactive as well. We don't try and change the game. We wait until we go behind and then go, oh, we better... Uh, is a little bit more attacking than Pearson, and so we'll just switch them to. And it says it all about Shane Long when you need a goal and you take him off because he doesn't do anything.
1: Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When... When Aston... Like, okay, I'm going to go back two years or, <laughs> or even three years, right? This time, after 36 games, a few seasons ago, Aston Villa were six points behind the team in sixth. And they put together a run which ended up getting them promoted to the Premier League. I think their run, it turned on that Jack Grealish incident where against their rivals, Birmingham fan came on, he punched him in the face, he went to score the winner. It seemed to create that uh, siege mentality. I don't think Bournemouth have got the stones for it, Tiggs, but if we did manage to somehow turn this season around, I think we should change our kit to a black and white striped jumper and be carrying around swag bags everywhere because it would be robbery, wouldn't it? Because we don't deserve it.
3: No, we really don't. And it's hard for me to say that because when you look at our, our recent form, um, it's not its not terrible. You know, look, look at our last five games. Okay, it's not... We've done all right, really. What we got? Uh, a loss, a draw, and some wins. So it's not it's not terrible form. Um but when you look at performances, you can just see the whole story rolling again and again and again. you know, we can't well we can't win games uh without a little bit of luck, can we? And really, after coming down from the Premier League, being told that we've got these Premier League players, um, we still haven't one one game really where we've really looked. Like the quality that the upstairs at our football club think that we have on that pitch.
4: The rot really set in after that Stoke game. You know, since then, we've won four, drawn four, lost one, four, drawn three, lost seven. Yeah. And that's mid table form, you know, just about lower mid table form, actually. And I think the January transfer window destabilized a lot of the the good stuff that had been happening, good stuff, you know, even then we were still putting in 45-minute performances, but, you know, we were 2-0 down against Reading, come back and beat them 4-2. So we, we still had that self-belief and confidence that we could score goals, and that has totally disappeared. We're happy to win games 1-0 now. We're happy to to go away to Forest and get a 0-0. You know, that's the summit of our expectation. Um, whereas in the autumn... A team like Barnsley, we'd go up to Oakwell and beat them four 0 and we should have scored four yesterday, but we didn't, and we end up losing the game. Um, it, it's it's really it's really noticeable how twenty twenty one has been a, an awful year for this team. They can't shake themselves out of it either.
1: Yeah, and who'd have thought, Tom, that uh, JT would be seeing Premier League football before AFC Bournemouth, eh?
0: Um, yeah, I'm. I'm really pleased for him. But um, yeah, I've, I've. I mean, I've. I've been getting a, a lot. A lot of stick, and you know, in terms of I was. I was always trying to remain positive, as I say, when JT was there. But what I've said to a lot of people is, I was remaining positive when we were playing bad but winning. Now we're playing bad and not winning. So what does everyone want? Because I'm telling you now, it took us a long time to to lose a football match with Jason without playing well. Um, you. T- there's no way when we talk about any performances that were we played some good football. None of them were under Woodgate right? um Birmingham first time round, Coventry, Huddersfield. I, I, and that, that was always my point is with this group of players, switching Jason Tindall for Jonathan Woodgate, you really think that's going to make a difference because when everyone kind of decided maybe it's time to, to get rid of Jason Tindall, we were saying, because we're falling too far behind the top two here and we're only going to get playoffs. Now we're saying it's impossible to get top two and we're hoping we can get playoffs. So how much worse has it got? Because, people seem to just you know say how bad Jason tindall was it we, was so much worse so much worse look how far off we are now to the top we're 20 points behind the top unbelievable i mean don't get me wrong it was not all rosy and there were you know we were not looking good really but on in terms of results he had one little bad spell and jason tindall could turn around and you know he was doing a few interviews was not he and he could turn around and go oh, i was never outside the top 6 never Ante and taken woodgate long to be outside the top 6 is it you know and in, in terms of his role, it looks like he's going to kind of go in as a two um, at Sheffield, Sheffield United. do not surprise me at all. Good luck to him. Je- uh, Sheffield United are probably looking at it and going, they're relegated, aren't they? Let's be honest. So I think it's actually quite shrewd from them um, in terms of if they don't think Wilder's going to be the manager next season. They might as well do it now because they're down. So it gives the new people uh, a bit of time to come in and then get ready for next season and see kind of what players they want to go with. And they um, are probably look at it and go, Jason Tyndall is a number two. Unbelievable. You know what they did at Bournemouth, and then he's also got that Championship experience as a manager. And yeah, it didn't work out for him, but he took over a team that had just got relegated and never left the top six. So they must be looking at it going. He's a real good bit of experience that could um could help us. I think it's a good move for him. I'm I'm really pleased for him because yeah. whatever we think, he's he's been a legend of this football club, hasn't he? So um, yeah, the only thing people say he's done poorly was um, a manager where we were never outside the top six, which we now are.
1: oh. Mm. Very interesting. Any um any final thoughts before we close this off, guys? Um
4: I reckon we'll get we'll get about eight points from our last ten games. And I think we'll probably finish about twelfth or thirteenth, playing like we did yesterday, because we got some tough fixtures coming up. And um I I think we should we should already I I'm sure, you know, there are people already thinking about next season, you know, it's next season that's gonna be the one that, that matters. Get, the, get some new players in. Don't know who they are, but we've got to be scouting for them now. And the recruitment team got a big job on to get a group of players who are hungry for success and to play the type of football that, that we want as fans and that the, the, some of the players who are called to this squad will be capable of.
0: I'm going to count on that actually. I, th- I think we'll, I, I totally agree that we're, we're absolutely rubbish, but I don't think we'll finish 12 13 I think this team have done it all season where we're rubbish for a few games, then we'll get a few wins and go, hang on, and then we're rubbish again. I think we'll probably continue like that. And um, it wouldn't surprise me if, if we finish but I, I think we'll probably, we'll either just miss out or just scrape our way in, to be honest. Um, regardless, we ain't, we ain't going up. I will be uh, happy to clip it up. I'll get a Jonathan Woodgate tattoo if we get promoted to the Premier League. I mean, we ain't getting promoted to the Premier League. Um, but if that's something if that's something that might, you know, inspire the boys. Um, but no, I, I do think I, I totally understand what Jeff's saying, but I do think we'll just we've done we've done this so many times, and then we suddenly win a few games, and I, I think it will continue like that. Um I if I had to put money on it, I think we'll probably just miss out. But it wouldn't surprise me if we just kind of bundled our way in. But yeah, I don't think we've, yeah, you never know once you get in the playoffs, but I don't think we've got enough. And I think we're just, I almost feel like it's a bit of a chore now just to get to the end of the season as a fan. And now, it's it's so sad that now, you know, we're in a blimmin' lockdown when there's nothing to do and I'm thinking, oh, we got game Tuesday. I'm not even looking forward to it. It's going to be, but yeah, I think, we'll, I think we'll just be consistently inconsistent for the remainder as we have been all season. I think the mistake that that we've probably made, mistake's
3: not the right word, the, 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 probably the oversight is that we've got, uh, we've had managers and, and, you know, they've done all right, depending on your point of view. We don't need a manager at AFC Bournemouth, unfortunately, we need a leader. And, you know, we, we lack leadership in every aspect, it feels to me. And that's on the pitch and that's, you know, managing the team from a, as a leader. They're not, Pulled together. There's that story, isn't there? When Eddie Howe came back, and you had all those players that that um, that had been uh, put together as a team, and they all went down to the beach together,
1: yeah.
3: and you know they all bonded together, and they they were a good team. That team of players, and equally under Kevin Bond, you know that were a good that was a good team of players. He couldn't get them to quite get it, um, but Eddie could. So. I think it's not about a manager, it's about a leader. And I hope I hope that's what our board are sitting down and looking for right now.
1: Mm. And there are managers with world-class CVs out there, as we know. So hopefully we pick one for next season to uh, to give us a fighting chance of getting promoted. Um, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Well, it's not been a pleasure, it's been awful. But anyway, <laughs> we've gone over it, Tom. Thanks very much.
0: Cheers, Sam.
4: Tiggs, cheers, buddy.
3: Cup's empty. Cheers, sir.
4: <laughs> and Jeff, not sure I'll be using the mug of motivation on Tuesday night, but who knows? Hey,
1: and you know, this may not be the only cup we're getting our hands on this season. That's where we've got oh, a little boy, bit nice. of hope. We've got a bit of hope, haven't we? With next uh, weekend's fixture, anything can happen. A... Absolutely brilliant to hear from the boys there and oh, so frustrating, so frustrating when, to be fair, as we alluded to, in that first half, there were, there were some fizzy moments, but yeah, we all felt flat after. Barnsley, they scored two and deserved the win. Five points adrift of them now, 10 games to go. What's going to happen Can Cherries make a playoff push? Well, that was the subject of the interview with Mark Pugh, the former Cherries legend who joined us on our YouTube channel. If you want to watch the whole thing, just go to youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. But here's a 10 minute taster.
4: So, um, Bournemouth this season, obviously pushing for the playoffs. Um, and while most fans are feeling that, I don't know, it's likely, possibly even a bit less likely after yesterday, but we'll see. You were part of a squad that did get to the playoffs. What do you remember about that header? Because it's 10 years ago now against Huddersfield.
2: Yeah, I remember sitting on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> we're uh,
4: both, both games, weren't you? And you? But you came off the bench both games. Sitting, yeah. uh, Donald, oh, God, what's was it Donald... Donald... Donald Yeah. Yeah, McDermott,
2: oh, yeah. was it? Yeah, you know what? It was. Um, I had a really good season that year, and we were coming towards back end. And uh, like, I won't go into too much detail, but I was off a, a contract, and uh, Bradders was in charge at the time. And uh, you know, it, it didn't materialise. And then I got told I was on the bench. And uh, yeah, you've just got to get your head round it as a player. Like I said, a lot of ups and downs. You've just got to stay humble, keep working hard, and. Um, you know, but, yeah, it's really frustrating. Went to penalties. We couldn't hit a barn door, to be honest. Uh, I think we missed, was it three out of our four penalties or something? Yeah. I was due to step up for the fifth. Um, I, was, oh, yeah. I, I was I was, was buzzing mm. for it. And uh, we just we were nowhere near. So, um, yeah, um, memories. I came on in extra time, set up Ingsie um, yeah. for his left-footed, um, crosses, yeah, le- left-footed cross, as I remember. Yeah, uh, left-footed cross. Great header, actually, to be fair. Went three, two up. And then I think there must have been, what, seven, eight minutes left and they equalised um, kicking the teeth. And when it goes to penalties, it's a, it's a lottery. Anything can happen. So on the day, I felt like we we deserved to win, but wasn't to be.
1: I was going to ask about the penalties because, yeah, I think um, Liam Feeney took one that I remember he missed and then Anton Robinson crushed it off the bar. I remember that. And um, Huddersfield, I, I think they actually scored all of those and... Um, you know, I was going to ask who was going to take our fifth penalty. Would you have done what you did against Plymouth Argyle in the league and penankered it? Or would you have actually taken it seriously?
2: <laughs> a little bit. De- oh, i tell you what, I couldn't have done that in a playoff game just because your, your teammates, your your management, your fans, they look at you, and if you miss, you look like a right clown. So um, and it looks like you're taking a Mickey, so no, I'd have just um reverse whip top corner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the reason I asked that because um you didn't didn't Jan Kermigan do that for Leicester. He he tried something, and that was in an important match. Was that a Neil? Was that a playoff match?
4: Final. That, yeah, was a, that, was it, in, that was at
1: Wembley, and uh,
4: it's uh, it became a song, didn't it? I think it's a song on YouTube that's got about two million hits or or more. So he talked about it when he was on the show, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but I know he must regret it. I mean, Mark, you wouldn't, you couldn't, in a playoff final, could you?
2: No, I mean Jan's as cool as a cucumber, and uh, you know you you back him to score a penalty. He was really good at penalties, actually. Um, but yeah, it's a thing. I mean, you look at people like. Pielo and um, you know Zidane, when Zidane hit the bar and it just crossed the line, your heart must sink. But yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I've got my little cupcake mug. I wouldn't mind the cherries on that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, it's. Um, yeah. I did it against Plymouth and um, doing it in a, a League, League One game um, is completely different to doing it in a cup final, that's for sure. Mm. Although they, they all have the same impact on the team. You want to win every game um but yeah it's uh <laughs> never say never but yeah won't fancy it
4: and um so this season well we all thought we we're, we were good enough to finish top 2 uh the is certainly there in the squad and you can see it at times Though it was on the show again yesterday um but it i don't know what it is it's it's a mentality it's a in intensity it's a winning kind of attitude that the players just don't seem to be able to to be able to deliver it for, for 90, 90 minutes. You weren't relegated with Bournemouth, but you took a step down with a loan move and also that permanent move to, to QPR. Do you think that for some players there can be a, a sort of mentality, of feeling like you don't have to work as hard in the second tier or
2: because of your your previous experiences? That's a given. Uh, you've got to work hard for everything you, you want in life. I mean, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. I swear by that. Um, it's one of my big quotes that I look at daily. Um, I'm big on affirmations and you know speaking out loud to myself, and and that's what you've got to do. I mean, whether you're playing at the Championship, League One, Premier League, it doesn't matter. You've you're up against a human and an individual who wants success, um, and you've got to work harder than them. Um, I mean, I um, spent um, just about a month, six weeks training with Bournemouth, um, as you probably well know. Um, just before the season got got going, um, I spent a bit of time. I think they'd played about four or five games um, and I was still training with them. They were absolutely flying. Um, mm-hmm. Confidence levels was high. Training, intensity was absolutely brilliant. I was, I really enjoyed it, actually. And uh, the lads were hungry for success. And I don't know what's changed Um since obviously I've I've been away from it but um when I was there everyone was pulling in the same direction um and you know just on the same page but yes it's just hard work's a given you've got to work hard you've got to work hard for your team I know the fans aren't there at the minute but you've got to think about them as well they they pay good money to whether it be watching on social media whether it be it be at the game so you just me as a as an individual, as an athlete, I want to put smiles on fans' faces because, to be honest, it ruins the weekend because of that involved in the football <laughs> club. And yeah. You just want to give them a good weekend and you want to do everything you can. And um, like I say, I can't really comment. I haven't seen many games um, this season. Um, uh, Bournemouth's the first result I look at every week. Um, but it's crazy without the fans. The emotion um, of the game is just completely different. Do you
4: think I was thinking that side that you were part of that went up didn't have any superstars? I think only Kenwin Jones, who came late, was anything close to being a, a household name. And but what you all had was a huge desire to work hard, forty-six games in a oh. season. Do you think maybe sides that come down from the Premier League that have got players that that can get moves easily elsewhere with agents, etc., that don't necessarily
2: have the, the the hunger to do it over forty-six games in the Championship season? I mean, it would drive me mad if I was in the change room and, and I was seeing that because I think that was a big difference. I mean, we had a lot of characters. If someone stepped out of line or got above the station, then we'd tell them, you know, we'd, we'd be honest, we'd be open. Um, and, yeah, whether you step out of the Premier League or not, you've seen that many players who haven't made it with a Premier League club um, and then they've just shot down the, the leagues and, you know, where are they now? I mean, What's the point in stopping working hard, stopping progressing as an individual, as a player? Whether you come down to the Championship or not, you should work hard to get back up there. I mean, I always wanted to play in the Premier League as a boy. I was a million miles away from you know, that when I got released from Shrewsbury Town at 22, 23. Um, but I still had that desire and hunger to play there. And, and when I got in the Premier League with Bournemouth, it's all right getting there. You've got to stay there. And I'm just... You know I feel fortunate and blessed that I got to spend four seasons in the Premier League with Bournemouth um I like say at the time it was so tough leaving Bournemouth but I needed to play football and in that final season when I did leave I hardly kicked a ball I weren't even on the bench and you want to feel a part of of a team going forward um and yeah I mean like I said you you've got to, you've got to give everything for the cause you've got to give everything that's what we did we had 11 winners on the pitch and we had the bench who was willing us on every week and i think that is the most important thing whether you're playing whether you're on the bench i think you've got to you know knit together as a team and just um you know want to go in that same direction
1: i think that's what we seem to be missing as a team at the moment that team spirit and also, it, see, there seems to be a complacency as well. And in the 36 games that we've witnessed so far, the players look as though they've been coasting. It's felt like a training game at times. And I think obviously having no fans in the stadium to react, either positively or negatively, to what you're doing, it obviously almost negates all sort of emotion. And sometimes when we've scored, it doesn't look as though the players are even enjoying it. Do you think the playoffs, the competition of the playoffs, if we manage to get there, will perhaps provide the players with that little bit of pressure that we've almost lacked so far. Because it's three games, you know, it's, you know, it's a one-off tournament. Like you say, it is a lottery and anything can happen.
2: Yeah, you want that um, ammunition. You, you need to get that fire in your belly. And the playoffs are uh, unbelievable. It, it'd be great to go up in, in the top two. But, um, you know, going up through the playoffs, I can imagine it being absolutely amazing. I've never gone up through the playoffs um, but me personally as a player, I thrive off pressure. I love playing under pressure and um, every touch, every tackle, every cross, every shot, um, when there's fans there, um, you're under pressure to to perform and, and, and do what you know you're good at. So um, yeah, hopefully that the, the playoffs, if, if they can make the playoffs or give them the ammunition to sort of kick on and um, being in the premier league, best league in the world, um, that's where they want to be. And um yeah, you know, I've got my fingers crossed every week that they're winning the games. I mean, it's it's been a big part of my life, Bournemouth, and that'll never change. And um, you know, it it hurts me to see them lose to this day, even though I'm not playing, because um, I've got a lot of close friends still playing for the club, and um, I want it for them as well. This is Mark Pugh, the foodie footballer, and you're listening to Back of the Net.
1: Absolutely brilliant to hear from Mark Pew there. What a guy! uh love hearing what he's got to say and uh he also apparently wants one of the back of the net mugs as well you'll know that if you watch the youtube interview might have to get one to you and if you're a youtube subscriber you'll know what it's all about the back of the net mugs we've been putting them on twitter as well if you want one we will be selling them soon but it's all about scarcity right as soon as we've got them on sale we'll let you know we promise So, huge week for AFC Bournemouth then, and across back of the nets, social platforms, we're going to be covering it. Wow, Swansea, what a match that is. Tuesday night, absolutely huge. Uh, On the YouTube channel, check out the first face-off video we've got with young fan from Swansea, Marley. He's such a great lad, and also Ben Phillips, Cherry's fan as well. Facing off and um, basically arguing with each other for 10 minutes. It's uh, it's brilliant viewing. Plus, the free-for-all will be on the Tuesday night as well. Then, Southampton is the FA Cup. Cannot wait for that. That is on the Saturday. We're doing a watch-along. There's going to be all the fallout, plus the podcast will detail everything that you need to know from that game. If you want to support us by buying us a coffee, you can do so. It's afcbpodcast.com forward slash coffee. We truly appreciate it. Maybe the cup's all we've got left. Oh, we don't know, do we? Anyway, many thanks for listening. This has been Back in the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Curling towards the six-yard air, Flick, goalwards and into the top corner substitute Carlton-Morris, Bournemouth pay the price for giving away multiple free kicks on the edge of their own
3: 18 yard area and they are behind again, Bournemouth 2, Barnsley
0: 3.